Hello podcast! This this episode is going to be a little bit different, sort of. It's an interview I did with a guy called Alex Staniforth. Unfortunately, Alex did this written with me rather than verbal, so it's not him. He's not going to be, like, chiming in on this episode. I'm going to be reading out my questions and his responses, but it's a really interesting insight into how Alex became an adventurer as sort of like his full-time job. So without further ado, let me start reading out the interview. How I became an adventurer with Alex Staniforth. Alex Staniforth very kindly answered some questions for me and you about his career as an adventurer. He's given us a really honest and open account of his journey If you're wondering how people become adventurers and what it's like, here is one example of a pathway. Without further ado, so my first question, what do you do? And Alex's response is, ah, the all-important question. I'd much rather be asked, what's your purpose than what do you do for a living? My work and life goals are pretty much the same thing, and I'm very fortunate to have both closely entwined. I'm an adventurer and endurance athlete, which involves expeditions and adventure challenges on foot, bicycle and mountains. The physical element is important, hence athlete, and endurance refers to the typical long duration. These raise money for charity through the generosity of donations from the public, events and company sponsorship. The main part of my work is inspirational keynote speaking to business teams, conferences, students, awards, and after-dinner events in the UK and internationally. This is focused on sharing my personal journey, adventure stories, and the messages behind them that relate to and inspire the audience. Speakers can get paid very well as reputation and experience grow, but you do a lot for free to begin with. I'm also an author, currently working on my second book. Both have a publisher, which brings income and royalties, selling books, after-talks events, and an advance paid for writing the book that's paid out by the publisher. The income falls second to the opportunity to do something I'm passionate about and hopefully inspire people who read them. I'm also a brand ambassador for the facilities management and security company called the Westgrove Group. I get paid for speaking to teams of colleagues and partners in the community and promotion during challenges. This has been a long-term partnership Uh, feeling like a part of the team rather than the typical sponsor relationship. My other ambassador roles are for charities and are therefore obviously unpaid. The advanced challenges are the driving force behind it all, really. Next question from me. How did you end up here? And Alex's response is, where to begin? I had the goal of climbing to the summit of Mount Everest at 14 years old after discovering the outdoors as a means for overcoming life challenges including epilepsy, stammering, bullying, anxiety, and low self-confidence. I've suffered with depression and eating disorders since the age of 16, and physical activity in the outdoors still plays a huge role in managing them. Anyway, a plan to achieve this goal began. I had a pretty ordinary background with supportive parents, but they were never going to hand over a cheque to fund the Everest trip, something like £30,000 or more all the years of prior expeditions and training, and rightly so. I had to find a way or make one. 
came across the idea of corporate sponsorship from other young Everest climbers, namely Becky Bellworthy and Matthew Diamergard Thornton. I met a mentor, Chris, who taught me everything I needed to get started to raise this huge amount. Meanwhile, I was doing my A-levels and worked part-time at the local pub to pay keep and personal costs. Cutting a long story short, it took a full year to fund the expedition in 2014, aged 18. This went badly wrong with an avalanche that tragically killed 16 people whilst we were at base camp. We came home and had to start over. Everest intrinsically grabs people's interest, and the big break came at the Chester Business Club. In return for speaking to 100 people, they offered a donation to the trip and Click Sergeant, the chosen charity for the Everest trip, uh, so obviously I had to take it. That planted the idea of being paid to talk, which was baffling at the time, and I still pinch myself sometimes. It's a huge privilege to share what I've learned and show people they can achieve their own Everest too. I worked as a chef and at a hotel to allow flexibility to train and fundraise. By the time I left again for Everest 2015, I was making a sustainable income from speaking and ambassador roles to leave the pot washing job safely in the past. The second trip went even worse with the Nepalese earthquake that struck whilst we were on the mountain. 9,000 people died across Nepal and 22 on Everest were taken by an avalanche that destroyed base camp. Our team was stuck at Camp 1 for two days before being helicoptered out. Had we not left base camp that morning, it would have been a very different story. Failure teaches us more than success, and the two biggest consecutive disasters in Everest history gave a unique story to tell. I attempted to climb Chaoyo in 2016, failed that too, and my last big project was Climb the UK in 2017 climbing to the highest point of all 100 UK counties by human-powered means in 72 days. I was inspired by Elise Downing to take on a challenge closer to home and see more of our underappreciated UK countryside. Over time, as my profile grew, the speaking work took off too. I've been fortunate to work with great brands and people, build a fantastic support network and there's been various charity projects like Walk for Nepal to support the earthquake victims too. New opportunities are always around the corner, which keeps it exciting, but being able to make a living by doing what I'm passionate about and making a positive contribution to the, is the most rewarding of all. Chris once said, shy bands get no sweets. So on that note, you'll have to read my book Icefall to find out more. Uh, next question from me. Did you always intend to make your work related to adventure? Alex says, no. Initially, Everest was a gap year project. I was academic but had no solid career plan and was going to uni for the experience, like many do. But I soon realised convention wasn't for me. I wanted to live life on my terms, making a living from a passion and forge a path. It was divine intervention of sorts when I dropped all five university offers whilst trekking out of base camp after Everest 2014. The intention was always to write a book and maybe to do the odd talk afterwards, but if you'd mentioned professional speaking six years ago, I'd have cringed in fear. Having a stammer is hardly ideal for someone speaking on stage to 650 people, which would terrify most of us but I can manage it much better after a course in 2016. Overcoming so-called limitations is the best feeling.
question from me. What advice do you have for someone trying to mix adventure with a career? And Alex's response is, work very hard. Be able to cope with uncertainty and criticism. You probably won't live a normal life like people around you who have different values. There might be times when it looks unsustainable, and I've forgotten what a weekend means nowadays, though many adventurers are better at finding balance than me. Life can deviate from one extreme to the next, so if you like routine, comfort and being accepted, then it might not be for you. Question from me, how do you pay for your adventures? Alex says, My Everest expeditions were almost entirely sponsored by businesses due to their cost. The smaller trips to Mont Blanc and Barantus, I have no idea how to pronounce that, it's a mountain, <laughs> were a mix of personal money, fundraising, cake sales, car washes, fundraising evenings, auctions, that sort of thing, and a few small grants. As adventure became more of a career, I was able to self-fund more, which reduced dependency on sponsors. Being sponsored with gear or kit is different, but helps bring down the cost of the adventures too. The more recent challenges, like Climb the UK, were obviously cheaper and entirely self-funded. In this case, company sponsorship donations went entirely to the chosen charity rather than costs. Companies generally sponsor money towards the cost of challenges, thus allowing them to go ahead in the first place. Some prefer it goes direct to charity, they're still getting a return. You need to be clear on how the sponsorship is being spent. Good tip there. Last question from me. How should readers interested in becoming a professional adventurer get started? Alex says, it won't happen overnight unless you're a social media influencer and end up viral. Brackets. If you do, let me know how. <laughs> the obvious thing would be to go on an adventure. You need stories and content if you're going to speak, write, or engage people, or get sponsored. And you need to build a following to get booked or sell books uh, in the first place. It's getting increasingly harder to stand out, so think big and different. Focus on the aspects that you're most passionate about. I'm hopeless at social media, but writing has been my strong point. And if you want to hear more from Alex, his website is the hub of all his social media links, blogs, books and more info and he's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. I will link all of those in the show notes instead of reading them out but he also says please feel free to contact me if you have any questions. Always happy to help or at least try. So if there's anything that you've heard in this episode that you would like to contact Alex about for some more info or questions or whatever do get in touch with him. Well I hope that was helpful. I find it really interesting, actually, because there's almost this this shroud of mystery around how people in the adventure industry make a living. Really, no one no one wants to talk about money and where their income actually comes from and how they got there. So, thanks very much to Alex for giving us that insight. And yeah, I hope you found that really interesting and enlightening. I don't know. I just think it's a really a unique story but at the same time one that you could maybe learn a lot from and maybe replicate some of those things if you wanted to go into the speaking world into the the mountain high mountain adventure space so yeah hope that was good 
as always, if you have any comments about the episode, getting in touch with me. If you're on the Anchor FM app, I think you can send me voice questions. I'm not 100% sure how that works. But if you manage to find out how it works, drop us a line and I'll see if I can include them in some future episodes, maybe. Yeah, so that'd be cool. Otherwise, I will speak to you again very soon. Have some great adventures in the meantime. And yeah, speak to you soon. See ya. Bye.